Space, the final frontier. Well, okay, not, not really. All right, uh, take two, take two. Here in the Mitten State, welcome to Code 47, bringing you all things Star Trek, spanning the quadrants, the best thing since the neutral zone. Hey gang, we are back for episode 112 of the Code 47 podcast on the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network. I am your host du jour, Trekmaster of Western Michigan, Charlie Carden, the commanding officer of the USS Grand Petoskey here in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Joined as always by my esteemed colleagues from the windy city of Chicago. She's the best 7-9 cosplayer you'll ever meet. Jen Watson. <laughs> Thank you. Hi, you, everyone. You better believe it. And my side man, Mr. Chief Engineer, the unflappable Peter Stein. How are you today, my friend? Doing all right. Excellent. Well, we've got some more exciting Star Trek to talk about. We're uh, we're continuing to delve into Deep Space Nine. We're going to be talking about the end of Lower Decks Season 4. So we'll break down those two episodes, and then we will also uh, give some predictions, thoughts, uh, thoughts and prayers, as it were, uh, for Season <laughs> 5, as far as when we might see it. Um, because, jumping right into the news, uh, we're going to talk about uh, some things that will hopefully at least give us some idea of when we might actually see Lower Decks return. But first and foremost, uh, I do always like to, oh my God, I'm almost skip right by it. I'm going to get hit by a bolt of lightning. Give some love and respect to our fine Patreons. These are the folks uh, who support us and give uh, both Peter uh, and Jen and myself uh, the ability to jump in and make some fun additional content. The three of us have all participated in my show called The Facts of Geek Life, where we take a classic uh, season of a classic series, pick a handful of episodes and break it down. Peter and I are currently going through the first season of Ron Moore's Battlestar Galactica. And then Jen and I have tackled Sequest DSV, and we'll be coming back to do a little bit of that uh, as we get uh, as we get into probably into 2024. You'll be hearing those episodes. So anyway, uh, on our friends with benefits level, want to give some respect to Corey and HD, John Sedorf, the fantastic Phoenix Sisters cosplay. And Brendan Myers. Our top tier uh, Patreons are the BFFs, Sean, Stella, and Henry Nias, the lovely Nias family of the Twin Cities in Minneapolis. My dear friend, Missy Merchant from Northern Michigan, and Andy Milliken, who's a friend of Missy's, but I don't know where she's from, so she probably ought to find out about that. But anyway... <clears throat> We're very grateful uh, for the support that these folks give us. If you visit patreon.com slash secretfriendsunite, you can try out our Patreon free for a week, uh, sample our various programs. We also just had a great interview segment uh, with, act, uh, with uh, excuse me, with writer Timothy Zahn that was conducted by my partner Ooh. Mark at uh, Halcon in Nova Scotia. Uh, and it was a great listen. Uh, and uh, jump on now, have a listen. Um, and if you like some of the other content that you hear, uh, consider sticking around. We'd love to have you so okay commercial is over <clears throat> on to talking about the good stuff um so merry christmas netflix yes. says here's star trek prodigy so yes Yay. we 
we did know uh, that, uh, you know, the streaming wars and then the writer strike and the SAG-AFTRA strike or whatever, uh, the, the Trek-related victim was the delightful animated Star Trek prodigy that happened back in the summertime. Much uproar was had. We've talked about it extensively on this program. Uh, and it's just it was just a super bummer because it, it was a super cute show. Um, and we wanted to see it continue to move forward. We knew that a second season had actually been in post-production at the time this announcement happened. Um, but yeah, Paramount Plus said, yep, you know what? We need a tax write-off, so buh-bye. Um, so it was left out there to float. And the big fear uh, for all of us, of course, was that, well, if all these streamers are, are suffering because there's no new content out there and so people are trying to figure out if they want to keep streamers, you know, who's going to have the money uh, to pick this up? We'll never uh, doubt Netflix, the original juggernaut, the one that even your grandmother has, you know, even probably your late grandmother has because nobody ever canceled her subscription. It's possible. Um, still using her passwords. I guess still using her. Yeah. Thank you, grandma. No, Peace. Kidding, kidding. <laughs> no, me too. Yeah. I, I don't think my, my grandmother passed away four years ago. I don't think she was into mm-hmm. streaming. So, um, but at any rate, on December 25th, Christmas Day, for those who celebrate, Star Trek Prodigy will debut on Netflix the entirety of the first season, which originally was aired into halves, 20 episode. We, I did actually, this is the, the one pleasant surprise that I got out of buying uh, an online, uh, basically an online television show. I went in after the uh, after I, it announced that it was being dropped, and that was in, I think, midsummer, maybe it was in July. I went in, I bought the season. I had the first 10 episodes, and I'm like, oh, I wonder if I'm ever going to see the next 10 episodes. Went back a few later, weeks later, the other 10 episodes were there. So I do own I do own the 20 episodes, which is nice. And, and really, one of those long, long-term projects I have is to start collecting the discs. Like Peter knows for a fact that because we just were at Grand Rapids Comic Con, and one of the things that we have uh, is a television, which I play discs of all of the classic stuff. One of my goals is to snag up the discs of all of the stuff that's come out in the new era because it's an insurance policy because this kind of thing could happen with any of the shows they could go poof forever and the only way to actually ensure that you have access is is discs so who knows discs might be making a comeback um so at any rate we don't know uh and then episode uh, season two for which we got a little teaser trailer at star trek las vegas will be uh making its way to netflix in 2024, uh, which is good because as of this episode, we are officially out of new content to talk about <laughs> in segment one of the show. So we've done some brainstorming. Jen had a suggestion uh, for the next uh, the next segment one that we're going to do when we come back to uh, to you, uh, but we'll keep that a secret for now. So, um, so what do you guys think? I obviously there's a lot of excitement in the room. I'm stoked. I love Prodigy. I think it's great. It's a great introduction for anyone of any age to Star Trek totally. because it simplifies things. Um, and I'm so excited it's coming back. And just one small thing is that it's not a tax write-off because if it was, it would go poof forever, never to be oh, seen again. That's like a very good Batman point. movie from Warner Brothers. Oh, that's so a very good point. Oh, well, this, I'm there's speculation that it's a licensing issue because mm. it was a joint thing with Nickelodeon. So can Paramount still, I mean, they've got but a lot I, of Nickelodeon shows on there. I but, mean, but, but Viacom owns Nickelodeon, don't yeah, they? So I, I guess, I guess I don't understand. I mean, I'm, but selling yeah, the show, they can sell the show for money rather than do it as a tax write off. So they're still 
that that makes something in some way that much that that make that that makes much more sense i'm totally down with that so so peter your thoughts on prodigy you were you know you were i'm I'm trying to remember i know you enjoy the show were you late to the party with who was late to the party with this show i don't know if it was you did you like it from i watched it from the outset yeah yeah i i enjoyed it i mean we we all watch everything it's kind of what we do but yeah but no i know i totally yeah. you know i totally agree so this will be good um i don't know yeah it's going to be a race to see in 2024 what's going to be the first thing that comes back because uh segueing into our next story uh it's no big secret uh because it happened i i was lucky because i was i was on the road this week and it was it was after hours i was on my computer and you know I, i'm dipping between social media things just doing my thing and boom i get something either on, on x or twitter or threads that's says writer strike is over 7 56 p.m and i was like yes yahoo and that was wednesday yeah it was wednesday because the end of the writer strike was effective uh at 12:01 a.m on thursday um and then you know we started to get indications that uh you know actors could be back to you know they were already getting flooded with announcements Mm -hmm. before the end of the week that they could be looking to be back to work by the end of november which is which is incredibly exciting Uh, we're not going to dig into all of the details of of what was accomplished uh with this deal it sounds like it was a pretty good one for the actors uh we'll, you'll be hearing more about that uh, if you're listening to the show on monday on tuesday uh when secret friends tonight comes out i know it's something that we're going to dig into a little bit deeper so yeah. please do please do tune in uh and jen will be with us for that one as well because we're going to be talking about a certain marvelous film that came out this weekend um but uh yes the, the focus of this article that we're looking at here uh is how does this impact uh, Star Trek. So, you know, the, the projects that e- exist in the Star Trek sphere right now are season three of Strange New Worlds, the Section 31 film, uh, Starfleet Academy, which was in pre 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 production, uh, meaning it being written, Star Trek Discovery, which is finished, uh, and there's been a floated uh, potential time frame of that being uh february march of 2024 lower decks nice. which was just uh concluded which also very typically does air uh in the late summer to early fall star trek prodigy we were just talking about and then other um so yeah i mean this is it. what's that what's that yeah legacy, legacy. please yeah I, I want it to happen so badly oh i mean I know yeah they've got a lot on their plate right now yeah so there, yeah there's definitely definitely my breath yeah, crossing my fingers. A lot to come before. So, yeah. w- what do you guys think? What are your predictions of, of what twenty twenty four is going to look like? I mean, it, it seems pretty clear uh, that I mean they were off for four months, uh, and the writers were yeah. off for you know a period of time, one or two months before that, if I remember correctly. So mm-hmm. that's five months of productivity kind of flushed down the drain. Um, and and I, I I I take that back. I don't want to say flushed down the drain because that that sounds like I'm making light of what they accomplished. And I absolutely do not. They accomplished something Delayed. significant. You know, they they took their fight to yeah. the man and they put the man to their knees. And I yeah. really admire what they were able to accomplish without Absolutely. a doubt. But um, but yeah, I mean, what is what do you think 2025 looks like? I mean, let's just throw that right out the door. You know, if we get uh, if we're, we're going to see Prodigy because it's in the can, we're going to see Discovery because it's in the can. Uh, how confident do we feel that we're going to see like Lower Deck season five? Because this article makes it sound like um Mike McMahon was able to go back to work. He was able, he was kind of on the cusp of finishing, um, I think scripting the finale of that season. And again, you know, it's helpful that these seasons are only 10 episodes, right? So it's not like, Oh, well, uh, this it's not like the 1988 writer strike, which, <laughs> which I, I mean, TNG's season two had, 
you know, a normal TNG season back then had 26 episodes. That's that season had 22 and it, and it ended with a clip show, which is kind of like, oh, God, we're on strike. We can get a half a day's work out of these people. And we got a bunch of clips uh, and Shades of Grey was born. Um, but, yeah, what do you guys think? What, what are the next two years going to look like uh, for Star Trek? Peter? Um, well, obviously, we'll have the two that are in the can. I, I'm pretty sure that we're going to have a quick turnaround with Lower Decks. Yeah. Um, from what I've seen, it doesn't since he's got most of the scripts written, it sounds like if he was working on the finale, then they should be decent. The turnaround time with animation is a little bit faster because you don't have all of the extra stuff with building sets and just being moving people. The logistics are a little bit less. Um, So I, I don't know that we'll see it at the same time as we did this time, but I think it won't be too delayed just because it's animation and they can, Get it, and they have most of the models already there, and you know, right? Yeah, so it's right. so a lot of it is kind of plug and play. Yeah. So. so, yeah, so I think we'll be seeing lower decks pretty quickly. Um, I don't know. I I think that Strange New Worlds would be at the latest, like mid to late twenty five. Yeah, that's um, my vibe too. Because that was this, at the that earliest. Was this, I yeah, made, so. that was the summer show, and I think it came on in June. So yeah, that was. It will have to start a little pegboard as far as because yeah, we're really going to have to figure something out. We're either going to have to figure out something totally different for segment one of this show, or we're just going to have to eliminate it and our show will be half as long. So we'll do some brainstorming on that. I think we can we can go back to the the good and the bad, which Jen and I were doing for a yeah. while. You know, pick a good one, pick a bad one. Everybody gets a chance, and then just break them down individually. So, um, but then. Like I said, Jen has a surprise uh, in mind. It was her recommendation. Yeah, it's a very a very topical episode that we're going to discuss in segment one next time. Um, and then there's an idea that I had that we should that we can develop a little bit more. So we'll still have something. Um, yeah. But you know, segment two of the show. Um, it was always my intention when I started this recording that I wanted to touch every single Star Trek segment in as much time as it took to do it. And looking at the schedule, it's about five or six years total to go all the way through it. So we're, we're doing pretty good. Um, so Jen, your thoughts on the next, you know, 18 months, 24 months in Star Trek land. I think we're going to see probably prodigy first, Mm -hmm. um, just in case discovery needs any additional pickups or anything that they need to do to kind of smooth it out. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, prodigy seems to be completely finished. Uh, so I think we're going to see that first on Netflix, um, followed by Discovery. And yeah, I think I agree. Lower Decks is probably going to be maybe October, November yeah. instead of the August or September that we usually get. That sounds um, fair. I know animation is under a different guild, but a, but all of, if not, most of, if not all, are of the voice actors are also Screen Actors Guild because they also do right. live action. Right, exactly. So that's going to put that hamper on when that, and not the peanut hamper, but you know, oh, uh, you did to yourself. Uh, waiting for that put one. The delay on that. Yeah, uh, but, uh, to put that on uh, the production there. So yeah, um, yeah, I think it's going to be later, but I think that, like Peter said, it's going to be a quicker turnaround than anything live action. And yeah, Strange New Worlds not till twenty twenty five. Yeah, um, that's a long time to wait for a cliffhanger, but so be it. Yeah, it, it, it is what it is for what they yeah. accomplish. And I said this right when the yeah. writer's strike got rolling. I'm like, you know what? If I'm not watching Star Trek again until 2027. These, these people should get what they what they you yeah. know what? And we had a 12 year break between the end of Enterprise and the beginning of Discovery. I'm not talking about the JJ films because I don't want to get emotional. It's um, a different thing entirely. Uh, yeah, it's a different thing entirely. Well, it also wasn't on TV. So. And it yeah, also it wasn't, wasn't on TV. Yeah, it, but, it was. Yeah. And you didn't, we didn't even know that we were going to get any more Star Trek TV. Like, right. Just exactly. It was 
not. So yeah, and let alone let alone this kind of new golden era yeah. that we have. So, but yeah, yeah I mean, the, you know, the landscape changed, and you know, a very serious course correction was needed, um, so yeah. that the people who make this entertainment can can make a living, and they weren't. Uh, I mean, the, the the vast majority of them, not your Tom Cruises and you know, uh, big stars of the universe. Uh, they well, were, I'm the sure they were Star just Trek fine. actors yeah? that we see and all of the like, hey, it's that guy. You know, it's the working actors that exactly. rely on having some kind of steady paycheck and steady work. And it was the same thing for the writers. So right. I'm ecstatic that it's over as quickly as it is, I yeah. mean, relatively speaking, because it right. would have dragged on for a lot longer. I mean, it was the longest strike of the strikes that have existed, but for what they accomplished, yeah. it, it's massive. Exactly. It's absolutely massive. So, well, cool. Well, you know what? Again, going out to all, everyone uh, affected by the uh, writer strike and the sag after strike, we are very glad uh, that you guys got what you needed uh, and that you're going to be back entertaining us because we do Love you very much. That's a message right from SFU. All right. Well, let's move into actual segment one. Uh, news is called <laughs> segment one half, by the way, if you're keeping score on your little scorecard at home. Uh, we are wrapping up season four of Star Trek Lower Decks with a two-parter, a cliff, uh, a self-contained cliffhanger. But again... Uh, when we jump in, you know, we get a cliffhanger, cliffhanger sort of in the end of this like we have with the show all along. So, okay, who's grabbing episode nine? Dude, dude, don't make me assign right, it to Jen. It. All right. Ooh, I was right. All right. Okay. So the, the mysterious vessel is now attacking former Starfleet officers, and the Cerritos is assigned to locate and protect former cadet Nick Locarno. I don't uh, see it. <laughs> yeah. I, of all of the people that they could bring back, that is like I know. Wow. That is get a shovel and start digging because that's yeah. a deep dive. <laughs> so Freeman assigns Mariner, Tendi, Talin, and Boimler to a safe buoy repair job because Mariner's been off the rails. Um, and on the planet, they find that there are senior officers of various missing ships, including Ma'a, the Klingon from uh, Wish Douche. Nice. Um, so they're working to get off of the planet. Um, and Mariner talks a little bit more about her past, which we'll get into. Um, and on the end, tail end of that, we have um, Mariner getting beamed up after finding her confidence and going like, yeah, Starfleet, I'm, I'm here. And getting her group back, totally. Up, uh, and there's Nick Lacarno. What? Nick Lacarno? I don't see it. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Lacarno, I don't see it. Is is, is 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 now the name of the episode. Nick Lacarno, I don't see it. Um, all right, break it down they for me. They have the yeah. same face. <laughs> oh my gosh! All right, Jen, what? Do you, how, how are you feeling while I type the name of this episode? Oh my god, I love this episode. I mean, lower decks is lower decks, but this one of the things that I love so much about lower decks is that it the characters go on these real journeys and Mariner mm -hmm. especially. And I could talk about how much I love Beckett Manor for probably the next hour. So I will spare right. all of you that. Um, <laughs> for my essay coming up on Screen Rant, I guess. Um, I can't wait. I know your yeah, stuff on Screen um, Rant has been fantastic. You did a Tom, <laughs> you did a Tom Paris article recently. I did. did. Yeah. I did. yeah. I did the 10 best Tom Paris episodes and I have a one to follow up with that. The infamous Tom Paris episode, so you'll see that. The, <laughs> the, the, now, the now three best Nick Locarno episodes. Yeah, yeah, for real. <laughs> um, so what I loved with this is that there is a genuine reason for Mariners going off the rails. It's not just her 
self-sabotage. I mean, it is, but it's almost like the reason for her self-sabotage over the course of the past four seasons. And the reason, like she realizes the reason that she's holding herself back is that she doesn't want to send people to their demise. Mm -hmm. She doesn't want to be a a general or an admiral. She doesn't want to be in charge. She just wants to be an ensign. And it all cycles back to the original Next Generation episode called Lower Decks. And that I, 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 my brain did not even make the connection, though I knew that's where we yeah. saw Shannon Phil, who's, you know, Seed yeah. Jaxa, uh, who they brought back for this episode. And it's always weird yeah. when they bring back an actor 30 years later because I didn't pick her voice out because my voice now versus my voice when I was 18 does not sound the same. And her voice didn't sound the same. I didn't no. think so at all. Her voice was very, you know, she was in her early 20s and now she's, you know, she's a few years older than I am. So she's in her early 50s, I'm guessing. Um, and it was like, I, I did did not think that it sounded like her, you know, because people. I, mean, I immediately pegged who it was. Yeah, I but. mean, I, well, then, well, gold star for you, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> you know what that kind of reminded me of that Mariner and, and her her, you know, big self actualization of, well, this is why I am the way I am. Um, there is an absolutely dreadful uh, early season five episode of Deep Space Nine where Worf and Dax are hashing out their relationship. They're all on Risa together. Does this ring a bell? <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that one. one. I just saw that. You know, and he and he um, we finally find out after all these years why he is so stoic, because he tells the story of growing up on Galt, the farm world where he lived with his foster parents and his brother and playing a game of soccer. And he jumped up with this other kid at the same time to catch soccer ball. He headbutted this kid and he broke this kid's neck and the kid died. And so Worf said, well, if I'm to live among humans, I have to really be as less Klingon as possible. And that, that's what that resonated with me immediately. When she said that, she said, you know, I, you know, she scrambled, but that was not really self-sabotaging Worf case but it has an essence of being well this is why i am the way i am and it's not something uh that i'm willing to talk about but with warfare just took a lot longer and it came out in a really right. weird way a really weird story it, um it was that was a strange episode but, very much so um, it it did give us a uh, washed up soul singer uh, Vanessa L. Williams as a yet another lover of Curzon old lover of Curzon i don't know it was a weird episode <laughs> yeah but anyway um we'll be talking about that more we we get season five it's not um, that far off so yeah um but it explains yeah so it like explains mariner and then ma over here being like the klingon counselor mm-hmm. talking about like you don't honor your friend by holding yourself back right that doesn't that doesn't pay her any respect yeah yeah and she she died for your right to go out and explore you know flowers right. or whatever yeah right to, to look at plants to look right. at plants and, like this is all mariner's trauma because it's not just sito's death it's the dominion war that came after that we saw that right. she served on ds9 at right point, or, or went to ds9 at one point right um and you know she was wearing those dominion war uniforms in the flashback so we know right. that she was serving during that so right i don't blame her for just being the way she is but right i i I love it i love it and i loved all the star wars references in this episode as well star wars references what what did i miss it was the forest moon there was a lot of forest moon stuff the 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 bunker looked exactly like the one from. oh my god what in the other subplot where you had um uh 
Moss Eisley. Captain, yeah. yeah, Captain Freeman and, and Shax. Oh, God, yes. Going down to the planet. It, they went to Tatooine. They went to Moss Eisley. Oh, the whole plot about um, the random bounty hunter being Billups was just like Leia in Return of the oh, Jedi. Oh, my God. I just like, totally. Yeah. It was so it, hilarious. It did it not. Great. It did not resonate with me. Oh my goodness, you guys! Yeah. Well, gold, gold star for you, and and I, I'll, I'll I'll wear the star the Star Trek dunce cap. You can see okay. it. Over. No, see. It, that's a, that's the cross pollination of Star Wars. You don't yes. necessarily right. have exactly. to catch all of it. Yeah, and 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 Peter will echo this. And and Jen, I don't know if you catch as much of this being at being at shows and working booths. I don't know if you if you uh, Star Trek up much. If you do, but people who want to come up and tell you, oh well, I prefer Star Wars. Like that's some kind of uh, oh, it's like excuse me, like like you're declaring your religion or your political party when you're diving between the two. We get it. Peter and I just did a very big show over the weekend, and pe- there are people who just want to tell you that all the time, like it means something. <laughs> I just don't get it. Renfair, because yeah, our fleet uniforms at Renfair, and some person just shouts out, "Star Wars is better," and we're like, "Bro, hey, here's our coins for the five zero first because we're both members." Like, yeah, exactly. It's. What kind of narrow-minded ding-dong has to has to choose? Yeah, I just you don't have to choose. Yeah, I know that's that's so super rude. Anyway, Peter, stories are good stories. Good stories are good stories. Peter, what do you think, my friend? I thought this episode was great um, for pretty much the same reasons. I really liked (laughs) uh, Mariner's uh, character development and the reveal. Um, That was really well done. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed the tieback to uh, First Duty. uh, That flashback scene. That was awesome. Um, that was well, fun. L- l- little Beckett, like, oh, blah, 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 blah. I was so excited about yeah. books it, and it was, studies. It was and- Boimlerish Beckett, which was just yeah, hilarious. She was so she was so uh, earnest. I loved her yeah. being earnest. Yeah, it was great. And then you know, hearing you know Robert Duncan McNeil back as Locarno, and then you know Cito and uh, Will Wheaton coming back in animated right. form as Will as uh, trying to sound right. Crusher. Right. He, he was definitely trying to sound younger. He was harder. Yeah. He was a harder sell for me. Cito, I could buy. Right. I'm sure it was harder for me. Well, I think um, I, I think we've made the cardinal mistake of, of kind of blending these episodes together. But you know what? Who yeah, cares? We're, ta- a, we're talking about both episodes. That was a two-parter. Yeah, it's a two-parter, so that's oh, okay. was that flashback? Yeah, yeah later? Okay. Yeah, because see, the, see, episode nine re- ended with the reveal of Nick Lacarno. So. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, that but you know what? Who cares? Story, but, who cares? Eh, but, well. Yeah. Anyway, episode – here, I'll, I'll, I'll do the I'll do the, the, the mid-segue. <laughs> episode 10 is called Old Friends, New Planets. Um, and yes, uh, Peter, if you want to fill in the blanks about episode 10, and then you can continue. <laughs> Any, okay since i jumped through the phaser bank already yeah uh, so <laughs> better than jumping into it eh, well i mean that does happen uh so lucarno we get a reveal is creating a fleet of mutinous crews that he has designated the nova fleet after his infamous cohort uh, In uh and he also has a Genesis device that we saw in passing, which I thought originally was a gag back in earlier in the season. <laughs> right. Oh, right. Um, surprise, it's relevant. But, but yeah, surprise, right. it's, it's a Chekhov's gun, which yes, you know, yes. is nice. Thanks for um, any foreshadowing. We appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, I mean, Lower Decks throws in so many things that are just jokes that you never know. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, um, you, we find out that Locarno has captured mariner so that he hopes that she's going to give some legitimacy to his position of like here's a starfleet officer who doesn't like starfleet and is still there and so you can say how all of these people don't like any of their fleets and we all need to independently trash everything yeah right and then she like throws a 
She's like sized wrench in his plan of like this, this, an this idiot. Sucks. <laughs> like yeah. on the view screen broadcasting to you know the entire quadrant. It's yeah, like, this guy that, sucks. It's this like it's like uh, that's the dangers of live TV. Uh, mm-hmm. Live li- live from the de- from the beta quadrant. It's Saturday night. Oh god, that could be a better one. Okay, there Very we go. Well. All right, keep talking. Um, so uh, we they figure out the the Cerritos crew figures out where. Um, she is. They try to get Starfleet to let them go. Starfleet says no. Uh, so they go to Orion and Tendi convinces her sister to not do anything. And so they fight. <laughs> <laughs> um, leading to a very hilarious uh, combat with Miglimo and giant Orion. <laughs> just hysterically stupid. Oh my uh, gosh. You know, and, and that, that she, she, it was, that was so strategic and oh she yeah, came so close. If Miglio would have just, would have just done Step a tuck and three roll. feet to the right, yeah, we would have been then, fine. Then they would have won. But you know what? Nothing, nothing ever goes to plan because, yeah. you know, that would just be too easy. But uh, Tendi has to uh, say that she's going to go work with her sister afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they get a giant, Orion battleship that is essentially a hunk of metal that is useless. It um, is. Yes. It, it's a Ford Pinto without a doubt. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's completely broken. Um, so they come up with this big old plan to get in, but in the meantime, Mariner steals the Genesis device and then pulls a, uh, Star Trek two in a nebula, which is absolutely fantastic. Nice. Yes. Um, and shenanigans ensue. The Genesis device gets set off. Locarno tries to turn it off. Hits a Ferengi paywall, which was hilarious, <laughs> um, and then blows up. So uh, everyone's reunited. Things are going well. Oops, we lost um, Jen. Hold on, I'm uh, gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop us for a second here. Well, we had a little whoopsie. Sorry, but we're back again. So Peter, you were saying? Um, so they all finish up the episode. They get all uh, reunited. We find out that they're going to name this new Genesis planet Locarno after, because his molecules are in the planet, which is, you know, <laughs> fun. Right. Um, and then, um, we actually see a very cool character moment for one of my favorite characters to Lynn, where she's yeah. invited back to her Vulcan ship. And she's like, nah, I'm going to stay with the family that I've gotten here. I love which, it. Which is that really great. Stuff. Um, and then as in classic lower decks fashion, we have the cliffhanger where Tendi, beams back to her sister's ship and then flies off into who knows where doing who knows what. That was, that was such a great parting. They were just, she's looking out the window. It's like, all right, time to go to work. We can do this. She walks away and then the camera pulls back and it's just a star field and the credits start to roll. And it was funny because I was watching it. And then if you watch Paramount plus it dumps it over and says, start watching uh, a classic sitcom Frasier in 30 seconds. And you're like, no, go back. I want to make sure they didn't sneak something in and they didn't, but it was just very cool. Yeah. For me, it kicked me to the ads. So I had to sit there through the (laughs) ads to wait for something in the end. Oh, I hate it. But no, it was, um, yeah, it was, that was great. I, I, I wouldn't even really know what, Ted, it was great uh, to see everybody pulled together. Um, and yeah, what a completely random, like, oh, Nick Lacarno, what? And obviously, the absolute best bit is when he's doing his, you know, he's doing his YouTube, li- his YouTube live um, that you have uh, Boy Miller at the helm and you have uh, Rutherford sitting at ops. And uh, he's like, uh, Boy Miller's like, oh my God, he looks just like Tom Paris. And as we alluded no, to earlier, oh, uh, oh. Oh no no! I thought he looked like Tom Paris and no no, no. Ruth- it was Rutherford's Tom- the one who can't see it. Yeah, yeah. 
Sorry. Yeah, Rutherford's like, no, I mean, he's like, oh my god, it looks just like Tom Paris. No, man, I don't see it. He's like, they literally have the same face. No, man, I don't get it. And it's true they had different hairstyles or whatever, but you know, because we've seen Tom Paris in Lower Decks where he just he looks essentially the same. Do keep in mind this is only like about five years after Voyager ended. Yeah. Um, but you know, so but you know, he and Nick Lacarno are not related. They're not the same person, even though they kind of have no. the same face. It doesn't mean that they're not the same age because I think. I think Tom Paris might have actually been a couple of years older because when there's Voyager started, yeah, a chance that they were at the academy at the same time. That is true. Yes, but, that would get really, really confusing for the face recognition software. You know, if <laughs> Nick Lacarno dropped his phone and Tom Paris picked it up, oh, there you go. Yeah, but they they were close-ish enough in age. But obviously, Lacarno's had a very rough life, and so he, yeah. you know, he looks a bit rough or whatever it is. So, um, but yeah, he got to kind of change people, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Well, it, yeah, apparently it keeps people young. Um, but. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So Nick Lacarno got to do a con. Got to, he gets to be part of a planet. The question is, has the Genesis device been perfected in a century so that it's not uh, packed with protomatter and it's going to self-destruct the way it did Star Trek 3? Don't know. That's what it sounded like, but that could be another, you know, throwaway yeah. joke in episode seven of next season. Right. Well, the planet, the planet Lacarno, yeah, exploded. And it'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, oh, good well, Lacarno's going to resurrect. Who knows? There's all sorts of crazy stuff they can exactly. do. Exactly. Unstoppable crazy stuff. All right, so. I don't think so, but it, you know, it's something that they might do. Lower decks, anything can happen. Yeah. Exactly. Without a doubt. All right, so we've reached the end of uh, season four. And so I'm going to throw it out to you guys. Do we have a favorite episode? Do we have a favorite moment? And what does season five look like for you guys? What do you guys really want to see? Jen. Um, I just love the whole, the whole season. There was not a dud in the single. I mean, I so totally agree with you because, again, I got to see episodes uh, one through eight in a drop because I got the screener. So I watched them uh, and, you know, got to absorb all that. And then I got to watch them again in normal parlance so that we could talk about it. So I get to watch them again two at a time so we could talk about it on the I, show. I liked seeing Ferenginar. I liked seeing Orion. I mm -hmm. loved seeing Ram and Lita back. They were fantastic. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah. Season five, uh, I want to Lynn. Yeah, Mortalin, she's great. Um, she and Boimler really like bounce off each other really well. I mm -hmm. think. Um, please bring Tendi back. Oh, you know it's gonna it's happen. Not gonna be the same without her. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't know if she's like on a special assignment as you know diplomat or whatever Section Thirty, whoever, whatever. Yeah, right. Like, I don't know, but she's she's some kind of double agent thing that'll be fun. Right. Um, she gonna come up with Boimler's clone? <laughs> yeah, he never that came was, back. That was gonna be that's my ad for season five. I'd yeah. like to see you know William Boimler come back and and even perhaps the Titan again and in a storyline that would put all that together. Yeah. <clears throat> so I'm 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 ready for whatever they wanna throw at us. I know. They this has been, I would almost say, <clears throat> of all of the Star Treks. Everything put together. I almost feel like this has been the most nearly flawless show that we've had. Like, there can be some really, really bad episodes of all of the other shows. You know what I mean? Even though we love them a bit, but you're like, uh, like that episode of DS9 we were talking about. Or the clip show from TNG that we were talking about. The only argument that I would make is Strange New Worlds is also amazing. 
I mean, there have been some that's episodes. My, of, that's my opinion, and I, uh, that's fine. I, I, I don't necessarily. Yeah. I, there are some episodes of <clears throat> Strange New Worlds that I've not dug. Uh, the musical was not so great for me. We've talked about that. I was fifty-fifty yeah. on it, but the, I, it's 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 otherwise greatly revered. Um, but yeah, lower decks. Yeah. I just feel like they're they're not. There's just not. Uh, uh, there must be a couple of misses I'm not thinking about. Maybe I'm a little. The only uh, miss is the Bird Planet one that I didn't love. But you see, that's that's that's, that's, that's your I, musical I, episode. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I didn't I didn't care for that one, but and the great thing is too that it's it's great for the people like us who've seen all of the episodes and recognize all the deep cuts, and they go, "Holy crap, Nick Locarno!" But like. For the people who don't know that stuff, you still have a really good story. They explain exactly what happened, how right. it's relevant to the plot. And if right. something's not relevant to the plot, it's a joke that gets glossed over and you move on. Right. Totally. So it's – it's I, I, I like that. And I love the first episode with all the Voyager references because – Oh, my Voyager God. That was so great. Uh, <laughs> I know. Yeah, Voyager. If, if there was ever to be a ship, it's one of those to be – if you ever to pick a ship that you wanted to live on, which one would you pick? I, of course, would pick the Constitution 2, the refit. That's my ship. Voyager for you. Peter, what about you? What's your ship to live on? To live on? Hmm. I don't know. That's a yeah. problem. <laughs> oh, that'll be that 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 that'll there's, be. There's, uh, there's too many. I hear you. All right, same uh, same question for you about uh, a favorite uh, and and hopes for season five. Um, I mean, I loved having more Talyn because Talyn yeah. was awesome. Yeah. I mean, as we know, I I really like Vulcans. Yeah. Um. So, I Talyn was just great. Um. One of my favorite moments from the show was acting Captain Bradward Boimler. <laughs> that was one of my favorite moments. It was a great peak right. for, for Boimler in this season, and he wasn't being a dweeb about it. Right. Like he, he was, I mean, he he was, was geeking yeah. out, but he was yeah. actually like, he was in command. He was doing what Com- he needed to do. Commanding. He was, he was being a commanding officer, and right. it, was really, right. it was a really good moment for that character. Um, and so yeah. I really, really, really enjoyed that scene it was really short but it was, right. it was one of my favorite parts and Mar- mariner said hey it's great that this is in no way gone to your head yeah. <laughs> i love that line yeah. Yeah, a little bit a little bit so it's fair but you know yeah yeah no doubt about it well i i kind of punctuated my thoughts in between um but again i just nail you know as far as the season goes maybe maybe i'll refine down my statement to say i can't think of another season maybe season seven of ds9 where I didn't watch one and thought, oh, well, you know, I could have done without this one because it was accessible, but it was, it, but it also, it also did have a, a throughput story, but it wasn't so involved that you couldn't tune in and not at low. Well, oh, I, I miss episode three and, and I jumped to episode four and I don't know what the hell's going on like you would with discovery or something like that because it's right. so layered and interconnected. And I do like that. It does harken back uh, to a simpler time. I should say with storytelling. <laughs> um, so well, cool. All right. Well, we'll wrap on that. Our shared prediction is that we'll hope Hopefully see uh, season five of Lower Decks closer to the end of 2025. So maybe essentially about a year from now. 24. Yeah, yeah 24. Oh, my gosh. Don't want to go back in time. <laughs> yeah, do, do, not, do not jinx us. Mm-mm. Yes, exactly. So that that's what we're hoping. So, uh, But again, dear listeners, as we know things, you will know things because that's what we do. Okay. Let's jump on to segment two, uh, continuing to talk about Deep Space Nine. Have we all, were we all together last episode, or Jen, was it just you and me? I can't remember. I was gone. Yes, it so was now. just you and me because we got off on all of those tangents. About oh, my gosh. Yes, it was just – 
<laughs> the Playmates. I was super excited. Speaking of Playmate action figures and a tangent that, that Jen started, so I'm going to really put the blame oh, no. right back on her. We did uh, we did a great charity auction at Grand Rapids Comic Con where in one fell swoop we, we raised almost $1,000 with 65 items that goes to the Make-A-Wish in Michigan, which I'm very excited about. But one of the items that surprised the hell out of me was a 1994 uh, mint-on-card uh, Star Trek Generations William T. Riker figure in that weird uniform that I really love and would love to see on screen someday. I don't know if you're familiar. Yeah, you're familiar with the story. They had uniforms designed and then ultimately for either budgetary or other considerations, they scrapped them and then they just wore what yeah. you see Peter wearing. Um, and then and also their existing uniforms from the show. Um, that figure, now most Playmates figures on card, if somebody's being realistic, sell for about five bucks. Um, we had a bidding war between two of our members, including... Uh, uh, dear friend uh, Christens, uh, who is a great member of our chapter, um, that she really, really, she really wanted to take home Little Riker, which led to a lot of really inappropriate jokes. But that figure netted twenty five bucks, which I was very impressed by, um, and it all went to charity. So thank you to uh, uh, actually Amelia, who is another member of our chapter, who was the winner of that figure. So I appreciate uh, that love for playmates. But anyway. Tangent resolved. Starships. <laughs> Peter bought Jen, Jen. You would have been proud. Peter bought like five of those old Playmate Strike Force things, the ships that fold into little playsets. Because he was like, "Man, I had these. I lost this one. I broke this one." And Peter, did you take like get like five of them? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised. It's very on brand. They're fantastic. Yeah. I only got got two items myself. I got a an early two thousands art asylum like really stylized big Klingon figure that's like ten inches tall, and then I got a dumb thing. They're called headliners. I had this in nineteen ninety seven. There are three bendy figures. One is a species eight four seven two. Another one's a gem Hadar, and the third one is a Borg. I think so. Basically, it's all it's Voyager and DS nine themed. But I had them many years ago, but they were lost to the to the the throes of time. So anyway, wow, super duper tangent. S- segwaying back to talking about Deep Space Nine, we're getting into again season four uh, and the second segment of episode. So, Peter, why don't you kick us off since you were not here last time talking about episode seven? All right. So, episode seven, Starship Down, uh, directed by Alex Alexander Singer, written by David Allen Mack and John D. Ordover, aired November 4th of 95. The Defiant becomes trapped in the atmosphere of a gas giant while battling the Gem Hadar. Oh, awesome. I love it. What'd you think? It's a great episode. There's a lot of uh, good character moments in here. Um, Quark with the torpedo is just hysterical to me. Right. It's just so silly. And the, yeah, the, the, um, ra- the, the camera is the race and we've been seeing this in season two, yeah, but the actor is, uh, is uh, James Cromwell. James Cromwell, once Cromwell. Again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You sometimes can't always tell by the makeup, but yeah. Um, a lot of great character moments, uh, moments for Worf. Cause he's just, he's getting back into wearing the red suit, which of course mm-hmm. we saw him in, in season one of TNG, but he never really commanded anything. He was like Joe extra, you know, he'd get a scene where he's standing around or sometimes to be at the helm or whatever. But in this he's, you know, he's the strategic operations officer. He has responsibilities. He has to command people. And uh, you find out, you know, uh, just how not great he is commanding enlisted people when he and O'Brien and a bunch of the non-coms are stuck in engineering trying to figure out how to get out of their situation. So he gets he gets a little arm around the shoulder treatment from his old buddy, Miles O'Brien. I thought that was pretty cool. Yep. O'Brien, the most important person in Starfleet. Oh, yeah. Of, of all time. Jen, your thoughts? 
Um, I like this one. I like the, the types of things where you have, um, you know, characters separated and like the yeah. disasters going on and you get to see more of them and how they interact together and how they handle themselves in, in a crisis, which, you know, we have frequently on DS9. Um, but I liked, you know, some of those character moments that we get with that. I mean, the yeah. uh, Bashir and Dax being stuck together. I, I liked that. Um, I liked, you know, everything with Kira, everything with Worf, like everyone was just really really good in this right right totally big time awesome yeah big uh big big fan and you know the, the tension and uh and uh, getting their way out and of course our, our, our people make it out alive but yeah the uh, the mm-hmm. great character moments is really what yeah, and the Krima or the aliens that come back in lower decks um, yes oh that's right yeah. man Eric, what, what doesn't come back in lower decks i asked that and then you'll find out something like oh my god you know if they're bringing back nick lacarno who's next uh uh assistant chief engineer jim shimoda from season one of tng <laughs> it's gonna happen it's gonna happen or uh lieutenant commander argyle or that other chick who kind of looked like tammy wynette who was also chief engineer in season one go back and look i'm telling you maybe we'll bring back the uh Mia Jam- Jameson's uh, oh, Mem transporter. Jam- uh, right, exactly. <laughs> or, or Terry Hatcher as a transporter chief, season two. The the outrageous mm-hmm. Robin Leffler. Oh my gosh, Ashley Judd. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be you never know. Never can tell. All right, Jen, you've got a f- you've got a, a fun one with episode eight. So take it away. Oh boy, <laughs> uh, Little Green Men. Um, directed by James L. Conway, a story by Tony Marbury and Jack Trevino's teleplay by Iris Stephen Bear and Robert Hewitt Wolf, aired November 11th, 1995. Quark, Rom, Nog, and Odo are accidentally thrust back in time to Roswell, New Mexico, Earth in 1947. Whee! I love seeing an episode that's written by that that is potentially a slush script because Tony Marbury and Jack Trevino I've never heard of them. Um, so a slush script that's then touched up by by Ira and and by uh, Robert Hewitt Wolf who are obviously the guys for DS Nine um, because you can tell that it's coming from a weird little spot, but then you have somebody who shapes it up. So oh my god, what what a great episode! So tell me tell tell us what you think. Fantastic. Um... This one and the next two are some of my sick day episodes. They were all on a tape together, so yeah, they'll run through my head. They all they all go. So, um, this is one of those episodes that I put on when I'm like, I I want a good like funny DS9 episode, and it's it's the, the Ferengi in Roswell, and they're like trying to figure themselves out. They're trying to like make trade with <laughs> yeah yeah with, with the military here. Um, and it's it's funny. It's a good time. Yeah, I just really like this one. This is good. And Charles Charles Napier, who is a guy who is on like every that guy show and movie. Yeah. Like he he was in the Blues Brothers. They were the Bob at Bob's. They were the country band. Like you know, we're the good old boys. He that was him. <laughs> um, sh- right. you know, sh- Chicago classic. Obviously, you being from Chicago, I'm sure you're not allowed not to know that movie backwards and forwards. Isn't isn't that the law? <laughs> no, uh, am I making that up? Not so much. You can't you can't put ketchup on your hot dog. <laughs> I know that. That's not I, don't. From, I don't think that's from that movie. Oh my no, god. It's not. I'm just talking about Chicago. It's just a law. Oh, that's a law. law okay. Very good. Yeah. Chicago law. Oh my god, that's gonna be one of those new uh that's gonna be one of those new law and order. Chicago law. Um they police the hot dogs and police the hot dogs. That would dogs. actually be very amusing. Like all oh, these obscure yeah. little Midwest traditions. Yeah, right. Oh my god. Peter's <laughs> got, got a great idea. Got a great idea for a TV show. Ketchup on a hot dog. 
boom. Um, but yeah, this is, uh, you know, this is, it, it's, you know, Ferengi episodes are always great. They're always not so, you know, life or death. Uh, cause they're fun. Um, but this one did have, you know, the fun, like we were part of history and then, you know, this is Nog's beginning in Starfleet and, um, we yes. get, uh, uh, actress Megan, some, she comes back a bunch of different times. She's one of those, she's a, that gal who's the nurse. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like there were some other faces in this one that I'm just not coming with. They got to, you know, the, you know, c- poor cousin Gala is again, uh, the butt of the jokes. We, we get to meet him, uh, I think in season six with the magnificent Ferengi. He owns, um, he owns a moon. Oh my gosh. Peter, your thoughts, your thoughts about this one. Oh my goodness. Medical emergency over on Peter's screen. No, he's <laughs> yeah, caught the, uh, macro virus. Or all oh die. no. Uh, <laughs> This episode always makes me smile. It's just, I love Ferengi episodes. They're so stupid, but yeah. they're enjoyable. Yeah. Like, I also thoroughly enjoy when they have, especially the Ferengi commenting on human society, because it's just, you just show how much they don't know, and it's just hilarious. Yeah. Like, right. Over they irradiated their own lab. planet. If Nog says so, they did. He knows right. everything about Earth history. Well, <laughs> that's not what happened. The Russians but, are going to, the Martians are going to invade Cleveland? They can have yeah, it. It's just so <laughs> funny hearing all these like Nog and Ram and Quark making these like definitive statements about Earth history. It's like, right? No, <laughs> it's no. just so funny. Exactly. We know about humans. Uh, baseball, oh, root beer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh my goodness! No, it's good stuff. Awesome. Okay. Means the Ferengi predate the Vulcans in our first contact. Oh, you're right. Yeah, mm-hmm. but of course, because it's Roswell, New Mexico, uh, and the no famous cover up, yeah. it's been yeah. it's, it's been buried. Yes, where well, the I mean, whole... this was also when like X Files was super huge in 1995 too. So it's like oh, yeah, right. it definitely feels like it's kind yeah. of a tie into that, which is just yeah. hilarious. Or like you know later shows like Stargate doing the same sort of thing, where you have yeah. people from the future going back to that time, like. I love a good Roswell joke because they're just yeah. funny. Right. Hadn't been a bad one yet. No, that's awesome. Good deal. All right. Moving right along. The Sword of Kalos is episode nine, directed by LeVar Burton. Yes, Jordy himself. Uh, story by Richard Dannis. Don't know him, but uh, Hans uh, Bleimler did the teleplay. He's a regular of the series from November of 95. Worf, Dax, and a revered Klingon Dahar Master Core. Uh, who is the surviving one from season two's uh, big old 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 Klingons on parade episode? Uh, search for the sword of Kalos to unite the Klingon Empire. Um, nice, I love it. Good Klingon episode in a, you know in a season of, of Klingon episodes propelling forward. We get a return of. Um, uh, Toral, who is the bastard son, pardon the expression, of uh, of the Duras family, but they recast him for some reason, which is too, which is probably I understand that because that actor in the Redemption two part in TNG was such a pipsqueak that you, you couldn't really very feel, small. You couldn't really feel a sense of him being threatening, even if he was surrounded by other Klingons. So I guess I kind of get it. Um, but some of this was some of this was kind of a bummer because you know Worf really ad, ad, admires Core, and then they both get when they finally find this this ancient artifact to this you know sort of Kalos, um, it turns them against each other, and that was that for me that was kind of hard to watch. I was kind of bummed out, um, though it was pretty obvious to figure out what was going on because yeah. Dax was the only one that was like, "What the hell's wrong with you guys?" But 
yeah, the 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 sort of Kalos is kind of that, you know, it's it's the it's the uh, the Holy Grail, the Ark of the Covenant, you know, the obsession <laughs> to you know the possession obsession. Another great song, Hall of Notes. I don't know. I love them. Maybe you guys don't. Um, but yeah, it was. Uh, it was it, it, that that part of it was kind of tough to watch, but it was really very exciting, and it echoes more modern TV shows where everything is super dark that you got to watch with the lights out. Um, because I think I did just to kind of get some nuance. You're like, what the hell's going on? Um, yeah, it is. A, yeah. It, yes, yeah, physically it is a dark. cave episode. They're probably yeah. trying. This was probably before they were able to touch up the paint. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's the cave set from season one of TNG oh. that they yeah. recycled yeah. a billion times. They're so dark. To yeah. That too. Yeah. yeah. They didn't bring in their own stark spray paint. All right, paint. we got the, the actors have to paint. You know, they'll have a can of spray paint before the camera rolls. <laughs> you know, court, you know, cost cutting. So, if you um, fall on the bottom, if you fall on the floor and you notice paint, yeah, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, come on. You know, we're a team here. Chip in. Um, but yeah, cool stuff. And again, it's wedged between two funny satirical episodes, um, and does you know it, at the periphery, it's like okay, you know, Cisco lets him goes on the mission because hey, if we brought back the sword, maybe that would help things out with the Klingon. But ultimately, you know, Worf concludes that hey, if we bring this back, you know, you thought the Civil War and T the Klingon Civil War and TNG was bad, this will be unbelievably yeah. horrible. So it, it was one of those where it's like we already have a clone of. Kalos and that caused a lot of problems. Yeah. What yeah. we're bringing back the actual sword of Kalos do right? Yeah, and if you right. read the if you read the Star Trek comics right now, of which I, I've kind of fallen off, there's a big Klingon war going on, and Kalos is the main dude. Yeah, in uh, uh, Star Trek that. Online, they actually were doing something very similar. Yeah. So, so basically, yeah, your footnote is Kalos is, <laughs> is it Kalos zero stars. Do not recommend. <laughs> <laughs> He's just, he's just, just, he's a bad, he's a bad bloke, as they'd say in the Australia. So, Jen, what are your thoughts? Um, I liked this one also. Um, it is that like, you know, the the artifact like puts the whammy on them basically mm-hmm. and kind of makes them fight. Yeah. Um, so it was it was good that you had Dax along to break that up and and have her go, dude, dudes, dudes, yeah. come on. Come on now. It's, it's yeah, it's so, a sword. Just chill out. Yeah. And I mean, I get the idea of, you know, yeah, the, the concept of bringing it back would help, but also hurt way more than it would help. Right. Uh, especially at this point, because we are, you know, the, um, the Kenmer Accords are gone at this point. We're like, you know, not, we're not friends with the Klingons again. So like, that coming from a Starfleet thing would be not so, not so great. So, right. Um, right. Yeah. So yeah, just better to just kind of leave it there and let it float in space for the next guy to find. Cause that's what they end up doing. They end up give, giving it yeah. a big flush. So, Oh, well after that heavy uh, duty stuff, we get back to something fun and crazy. So Peter episode 10. All right. This is another Garrick episode. Partially our man Bashir. Uh, directed by Winrick Colby, story by Robert Gillian, teleplay by Ronald D. Moore. Aired November 25th of 95. Bashir plays a 1960s secret agent in a holosuite not to be based on anyone in particular when Garrick unexpectedly intrudes, hilariously while the car is moving. But his help <laughs> is needed when the DS9 computer uses the holosuite to, in- to store the patterns of other crew members during a transporter accident, leading to many shenanigans so many shenanigans I love shenanigans fun sidebar that I get from reading my uh, Star Trek the Encyclopedia which I have on my shelf right over here Stardate wise during this exact time period is when the the, uh, USS Enterprise E left space dock for the first time 
Oh, there you go. So, yes. All right. So, Peter, what'd you think? So many shenanigans. So many shenanigans. This episode is his- absolutely hysterical. Oh, I know. Everything they I, do. I love watching this one. Like, I remember the first time I watched it, I was like, okay, what's going on? And then Garrick is just standing outside while clearly the car is still moving, which I think yeah, right. was, that was one of the funniest holiday gags that I had seen up to that point. Mm-hmm. Where it was just like, yeah, the car is moving. And Garrick's just standing outside. Right. Just a man in the canoe. <laughs> so funny. Um, I don't know why that scene sticks in my head so much, but it's just so ridiculous. And then, you know, Garrick and Bashir having to work together as like a secret agent duo to play out this story. So they don't like, right. Right. You have like, I patch O'Brien and, you know, lounge singer Kira. And it's just so obnoxious. That that would be a better name for his character. I patch O'Brien. I like it. Yeah. It's Um, such a, I mean, the the conceit of the movie is a little of the the episode is a little silly of like, they're stored in the hollow suite because the transporter buffers don't have space, but like Worf is a casino. It's just so Everybody so is great. yeah. Everybody it is so. That it doesn't make sense because it's so much fun. Exactly. exactly. It's like the, it's like a really cheesy, crappy James Bond movie, but it's right. brilliant. With, with laser, it's it's like Doctor Evil, freaking lasers that'll destroy right. the. That's, the that's who Cisco's character looked like. Yeah. <laughs> no ham on this. Like, I know. Interacting is just all there. Just, yeah. Just you knew it, and yeah, you could oh tell everyone loved making this episode because they yeah. just. Go right. full ham on the whole thing. Right. And, hilarious. And, and I love Carrick all being like, oh, my dear doctor, you think that's what spy, spies are really like? I mean, yeah. Not that I would know, because I You're certainly right. wouldn't know what that's like. But simple, it's just a simple tailor. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Which just made this episode that much more hilarious. Of like, oh, Garrick, you, it's clear Garrick is a spy. Everyone knows that. And he's like, this is what you think of spies. This is how Earth did spies. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. No, it was abs- absolutely perfect in every way. Um, yeah, it was fun. And, and again, I, I, I'm echoed uh, from a, uh, a talk that I heard I, Ira give uh, when he was a guest on the Star Trek cruise earlier this year. He says, you know what? Nobody was paying attention to us. Nobody cares what we did. So we did what we wanted, and it was great. <laughs> I think that's why the show's so good because yeah, they didn't, they didn't really have to wrestle with like, Oh, Voyager's on a network. So we got a blah, 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 this thing and that thing. And so, you know, sometimes, sometimes for good, sometimes for bad. Right, um, TNG was like the show. Yeah. The main show. And then Voyager was like the main show and DS9 could just kind of. Yeah. Wanted. They were, they, so they great. were. Yeah. I mean, we, uh, we rewatched, uh, uh, Captain Marvel, the 2019 Captain Marvel, and and I was the 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 line that makes me laugh the most is when she and Fury get to Pegasus and they're getting out of the car, they're going to walk around, and he says, "You look like somebody's disaffected niece." <laughs> and so that's that's uh, that's DS9. DS9 is Star Trek's disaffected niece. <laughs> Take off the flannel. Oh, there you go, Star Trek. <laughs> Absolutely, Star Trek's disaffected niece. All right, well, let's move on. While I type that, why don't we move on to Jen being the next. All right. Next up, we have Homefront, uh, directed by David Livingston, written by Iris Stephen Bear and Robert Hewitt Wolf, aired December 30th, 1995. Cisco and Odo are brought to Earth when it's suspected changelings are infiltrating Starfleet. I love it. And feel free to, you know what? And there are two parts. So feel free to jump in and read the second one as well. And we'll just discuss them as a, as a big old glob. And Paradise Lost, um, directed by Riza Badi. 
Buddy, I'm sorry. Close, I can't close enough. I don't know. I'm familiar with. <laughs> um, story by Ronald D. Moore and teleplay by Iris Stephen Bear and Robert Hewitt Wolf. As Cisco and Odo prepare for a Dominion invasion, they discover a plot to place the Federation under military control. Dun dun dun! Oh, I love things that are flying yeah. under the radar. Mm-mm, no doubt about it. God, I loved everything about this too. But this is another one of those where I'm like, you know, I'm just like I, I spend a lot of time in hotels rooms and stuff when I travel for work. And I know one once last summer I was like, you know, I'm just going to watch a bunch of Star Trek two parters. That's just going to be my my thing. That's what I'm going to have on. And this is one I oh I think I even watched this one just a couple of months ago before I watched it just this past week because I just absolutely love it. Everything you get. There's so much Starfleet in it, so much Earth, other ships, changing people still wearing the TNG costumes I love. Got another bad. Yeah. And his father and another bad admiral and Nog and, you know, shiftless cadets. You end up seeing that cadet later on in season six and things don't go, things don't end up going so good Mm -hmm. for him and his buddies. Red Squad. Idiots. Oh, boo, boo on Red Squad. But yeah, how cool and how great that this takes something Star Trek does so incredibly well, um, which is, you know, shining a spotlight on something that's very terrifying in the world that we live in, military dictatorships and governments lying to us and unscrupulous peoples in positions of power um, and making us feel like it's very Hydra. You know, it's it's very like Captain America and the Winter Soldier. It's Project mm-hmm. Insight. You know, it's uh, you know we're willing to give up our freedom because you've terrified us so much. Um, ooh, bone chill. Definitely, definitely plays on McCarthyism too. I think yeah. that was the original yeah. basis for the story. Oh, of course, of course. But yeah, no, I I just I I, I love everything about this two parter. It's absolutely one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. So, all right, I took over. So, Jen, your thoughts, please. Since you since you read it, this is. Just the intrigue of it and the just everything that you said, too, about the um, bad morals and such. Uh, it's not – I mean, TNG had its fair share of bad morals, but even then, it was like Starfleet was still very noble. Mm-hmm. And this is maybe one of the first instances that you see of Starfleet being – well, aside from the conspiracy in – conspiracy but that's a different right but those were aliens yes aliens but anyway (laughs) but uh, (laughs) um it's it's realistic and it when people have power i mean even in the future when we're supposed to be kind of over ourselves we're still human so we're not going to be over ourselves we're going to be suspicious and allow ourselves to be vulnerable and it makes total sense for this to be like an an attack on earth because in this point earth is a paradise and to undermine that is just um the most terrifying thing that could happen to starfleet at this point too so it's um it's a good story. It's told well. I loved the bits with um, Cisco's dad and him just going like, I am not going to do this. I'm not going to subject right. myself to this. You don't have to. like. You, he's the one right. who's like standing strong against that. And you start to suspect, right? Right. Oh, why, why, yeah. why is he pushing back so why hard? He be, why would he be a changeling? Oh, the, you know, the emissary's father. You know, like right. there's reason for that to be. So you never really know where it's going. And it's it's neat to see that. Yeah. God, totally. Peter. 
it's I don't know how much more I can say. <laughs> it's, yeah. no, it's a really good, really good two-parter. Um, it's I do find it entertaining how like one of the big keys for Cisco to find out is just another as either a captain or admiral, just like giving him extra information that he wasn't supposed to know yeah. on accident. Yeah. Whoops. It's just, well, this one was pretty clearly yeah. on accident. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so I liked how it's like, you know, all these, these super manipulative bad guys are still, you know, at the end of the day, still people and occasionally incompetent. And so yeah. that was, that was kind of yeah. a, a nice little, right. little hat tip there of like, and, and also where you have like the Admiral, like he's not completely evil. He's trying to do something that yeah. he thinks is the right thing. He's right. just doing it. Uh, he's just going about it completely the wrong way. Oh, absolutely. Um, Everybody thinks they're doing the right thing. And that's, right. that's a thing that I appreciate about this episode is you, you're not, it's not mustache twirling villains. Yeah. Like right. He has, he has an identifiable motivation. It's something that's reasonable. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the way he thinks he's going to solve the issue is, you know, bat guano but it is what it is Um, (laughs) so um yeah but other but it's it's a really good episode um i think it would be interesting if we saw some fallout from that particular admiral again yeah um, Mm -hmm. later on maybe that's a character that lower decks will dig out of the the basement but admiral um, layton yeah exactly yeah i I love i love seeing uh susan gibney back uh, as a starfleet officer so she's actually uh that's dr leah brahms from seasons three and four of uh, tng uh who is potentially the mother of jordy's daughters maybe they got married that happened in the future imperfect uh yeah yeah um but uh, yeah, I'd let, you know she survived. Um, yeah. But I don't know. Maybe she got washed out of Starfleet too because she was part of his cabal. So maybe all those people got the got the bump. But it's kind of a bummer. One thing that always makes me chuckle about this episode is that the last scene that she and Cisco have together, she kind of makes a pass at him. Oh, Captain, I wish I got to know you better. I was like. I just I love little red herrings like that, and I know that stay out of jail. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Uh, I love it because Ira and and Robert and Ron Moore were always very famous about your little throwaway lines. Like "Mm, it might be something, but it might be nothing. They just it was it was a mastery of their craft. I really I really did love how they they did that. Little seeds, sprinkling seeds to see what grows. All right, cool, very good. All right, well, let's take it home with an episode that made both April and I very sad. We were watching it this morning. Episode thirteen is Crossfire. Uh, directed by Les Lando and Renee Ichivaria was the writer, so two rock solid contributors to the Star Trek franchise from January of 1996. Odo's hidden feelings for Kira surface when the visiting Bajoran First Minister Shakara Don begins to court her. Oh God, we've all been there. I mean, I, I don't know. I shouldn't say we all, but many of us have been there. You love someone from afar. You don't do anything about it. Somebody else steps in, and then you're super-duper heartbroken. That's really what this episode is all about. It is a very, very, very human story uh, told through aliens. Aliens. Uh, our alien characters. But, um, yeah. Star Trek does best. It's what Star Trek does best, taking the, taking a taking a human situation and reflecting it back uh, through science fiction. Um, what a what a fine episode, but a heartbreaker. And we, we all know that as the series goes on, 
this situation gets resolved. But for now, oh God, what a bummer! Such a bummer, you know. And uh, knowing, you know, knowing what could have been, but Odo, he's just, you know, you humanoids and your feelings, and and then you find out just how deeply he really feels about Kira. You know, she's his to quote Barry White. She's his first, his last, his everything. Mm. That was it. Was that was a tough one? That was a tough one. So, what did you guys think? Um, honestly, I don't remember a whole lot about this episode. <laughs> well, I hope that means that you watched okay. it. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I don't have a whole lot to say on this one. Um, yeah. Your mouse does. So it's very squeaky. It is very squeaky. Because <laughs> um, I was getting this one mixed up in my head with the one with the changeling later. Oh, um, gotcha. Okay. So, um yeah, so that's why it's like, I don't have a whole lot because these are getting messed up okay. in my brain. That's, a, that's all right. Um, no, with this one, it's, it's. I mean, Odo's just, it's heartbreaking. He doesn't know what to do. Right. He's never done this before. He doesn't even realize this is really what's happening right. with his feelings until he, until it's gone, you know, it, until it's not an option anymore. So he's, but he doesn't do anything. You know, he's, he's, he loves her so much and he's respectful. He's grumpy because he's Odo. He's always grumpy, but yeah, it's, yeah. um, I liked seeing, and even though this was sad, it's, it's interesting to see just this whole like clump of episodes all together, like to have something like this follow up that like, you know, that very like political intrigue of the last two parter. Right. And to kind of bring it in with this more personal, um, heartfelt story is, um, I mean, I think the pacing's good with it because you, you know, you, you don't have, um, just the you know, constant political. I mean, later right. in DS9. Yeah. Right. But, um, you got to bring it back to the characters you always have to bring it back to their feelings and their situations and Odo as an analog for someone who is just completely unaware or unoblivious or neurodivergent or, or mm-hmm. something where you don't know. We just don't know. Yeah. Because you don't have that experience and you, you can't imagine it happening to you. Um, you having feelings for anyone or the person you having feelings for, going off with someone else and yeah yeah oh no it's a tough one most definitely but again you know uh, you're right you were right about overall and again as we as we wrap things up and we look Mm -hmm. at the totality of this group of episodes um it was a great weaving of the very heavy to the very silly to the very semi-serious to the very very serious and then uh to the very spot-on social commentary so um yeah absolutely dug it so okay let's pick a favorite and a least favorite and then we'll wrap it up peter you're up um all right so a least favorite if i had to pick one um i'm just gonna probably say crossfire just because i don't remember (laughs) apparently it didn't stick oh Um, man okay (laughs) just just because of that um yeah but i mean if i had to pick something else it would probably be um just be just because I loved everything so much would be uh, Starship Down. Just because I liked everything yeah. else. Totally um, fair. Gotcha. But um, gotcha. Yeah, and if I were to have to pick a favorite, um, 
I want to say Homefront and Paradise Lost, but if I had to pick anything else, it would be Our Man Bashir. I hear you. It's yeah. It's it's a, it's a tough it's a tough three way tie with the two parter mixed in there, no doubt about it. Jen, how about you? Um, I think least favorite is Starship Down. Just kind of process of elimination because they're all so good. Yeah. Um, and favorite, um, I gotta go with Arman Bashir. Yeah. It's great. I it's so fun. Yeah. It's. And I love Bashir. I, yeah. I really do. And Carrick uh, and yeah. We're gonna yeah. go with that one. Little Green Men's a close second though. Right. I hear ya. Well, I uh I'll probably go least favorite, probably the sort of K-less. You know, I just, I liked it, but it just, it was, it was a bummer for me to see, you know, the, the kind of the highs and to see them get so obsessed with the sword and then to see the unpleasantness between Worf and Corey. I just, I, I just didn't dig it. But um, while I did love the, the, the comedic episodes, like I said, Homefront and Paradise Lost, Paradise Lost is one of my go back tos that I, I love so much, you know, great character development uh, for, for Cisco getting to dig deeper into his life and, uh, and seeing so much of the Starfleet intrigue and the bad morals and stuff. That's just, that's just where I live. I love it. Well, cool. All right. Well, that wraps us up uh, on this uh, segment two. We'll be moving into part three and then segment one of our next episode will be a very special episode selected by our own Jen Watson. That is very topical to something that we discussed in this very episode, but we're going to keep it a secret. Um, But at any rate, this was great fun. Jen, where do people find you out there? I have a link tree, which is linktree.com slash Jen Watson art. On that link tree, you can find my Instagram, Facebook, uh, Etsy store, Screen Rant author page, and all of my other projects. Awesome. And Peter, how about you? You can find me in various places uh, at Petrus Aquinas. I'm not very active, but I'm around. He's a, he'll be around. Well, you can find me uh, over on X Twitter, though I probably do it a bit more, uh, a bit less than I used to, at the C3. Go ahead and spell it out. I am trying to be, I don't much care for Facebook, but I do try to be active on the uh, the other siblings of Facebook. That would be Threads and Instagram. I'm C3 Carpenter. Spell it out. You can find me there. But most importantly, uh, you can find myself and my lovely wife uh, over with the USS Grand Potosky. That is our chapter of the International Star Trek Fan Club that we run here out of West Michigan. Peter is, of course, a member. Jen, I'd love to have you on board someday. Plug, plug, plug. But anyway, um, we were very, very honored to uh, have attended the Grand Rapids Comic Con here in Grand Rapids just this past weekend. Uh, We talked to dozens, if not what felt like hundreds of Trekkers over that three-day period. Got a lot of people we still need to follow up with. But more importantly, as I had mentioned earlier, we had a great charity auction, uh, which alone raised almost $1,000. Our uh, donated items to the booth raised another uh, almost eight. $800, $800, meaning about $1,800 that we're able to give to Make-A-Wish of Michigan, a charity that's wow. very important to me because I've talked in the past, my son Parker, who passed away back in 2020, uh, dealt with a lifelong illness. He was 13, but he was a Make-A-Wish kid and got a trip to Disney from Make-A-Wish of Michigan before he passed. So that is always going to be, when I raise money for charity, that's always where it's going to go. And I'm just incredibly grateful to everyone who participated, people in our chapter, strangers we've never met, um, who who just gave, gave you know, 
know, gave generously. I'm just very, very grateful. So anyway, uh, if you're a trekker, if you're in Michigan, or if you're in Eastern Canada, I'm actually run Region 13 for SFI. Uh, so I'm your guy. Uh, find our Google us at Region 13 or at the USS Grand Petoskey. There'll be links to contact, uh, and we can contact, uh, connect you with trekkers uh, where you live. So with that, uh, I'm going to say thanks for joining us, friends. I'm going to tell you that sharing is caring and to keep on trekking. Be the Starfleet you wish to see in the world. Peace and long life. This podcast is part of the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network. Visit secretfriendsunite.com for more great shows, articles, news, reviews, and more. Secret Friends Unite podcasts are available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other podcast services around the world. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, you can join us on Facebook or our new Discord server. Or follow at Secret Friends U on Twitter. Please subscribe to Secret Friends Unite on YouTube and visit our merch store at tpublic.com. Just search Secret Friends Unite. Thanks for listening.